That is our prayer. Holy Spirit, breathe new life into our lives. Well, it's so good to be with you today. Uh, We're trying to figure out what it means to live this life in the spirit that St. Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 8. And what we've learned so far is that to begin, we've got to reboot our minds. And then last week, we learned we've got to internalize the resurrection. Wow. Well, today, I want to talk to you about listening for another voice. Listening for another voice in your life. Let's open our Bibles together to Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Uh, on the Pew Bible, that's page 919. If you're able, would you stand with me so that we can read God's word aloud together as an act of worship. Romans chapter 8, 14 through 17. When we're done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. So that if you believe it, you can say thanks be to God. Listen carefully. You're reading God's holy word. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if in fact we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. This is the word of the Lord. Heaven and earth will pass away, but what we just read never will. Please be seated. So it seems to me that what Paul's getting at here is that the spirit of a follower is the spirit of God's son. But note the implication here that if you are a follower of Jesus, there are two voices out there, two voices. And I have to say, one of them is very familiar to me. I'm up against a deadline, there's the voice. I've got a difficult conversation to have, there's the voice. I look at my bank statement, oh, there's the voice. I think about change, changing in my life or changing the world around me, there's the voice. Listen, St. Paul tells us, verse 15, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. The voice of fear, the fear voice. Paul doesn't name the particular fear here, general fear. He knows there's such a thing as healthy fear. He talks about that earlier in Romans, verse 18 of chapter 3. Here, he's talking about the kind of fear that enslaves us. This is, you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. There's a kind of a fear that can enslave us. One commentator, the great commentator, Cranfield, uh, says, this fear that Paul's talking about here is really anxiety. This is anxiety. And I got to say, if there's anything, brothers and sisters, that seems to define the current moment that you and I are living in, it's anxiety. It's been said that this is the age of anxiety. And you know who coined that phrase? W.H. Auden in 1947. (laughs) Man, if that was the age of anxiety, I don't know what we call this. The CDC said that in the last year, anxiety has tripled, three times higher we're measuring levels of anxiety. Those of us, when we age, we tend to experience higher incidence of anxiety disorders. Um, Older people right now are experiencing about one in five 
of us are experiencing anxiety but it's not, or disorders, but it's not just the older. Now the younger, one in three of our young ones are experiencing anxiety disorders right now. This is just the voice that we're hearing, the fear voice. It's the voice you hear when you open up uh, the news, when you scroll through the feed, when you uh, encounter disagreement or difference oftentimes. It's the voice that we hear when we move into racialized context. It's the voice that we fear anytime we face a situation that's unfamiliar or even uncertain. We know this voice. It's what's driving isolation. It's what's driving tribalization, driving increasing levels of polarization and even violence. I mean, I don't know if you added this up. In the last three weeks, there have been five shootings of young people who just seemed to come up the wrong way. People who thought someone was coming for them. Uh, People who were afraid. So there was a kid who comes to the wrong doorbell, gets shot. Uh, a 16-year-old drives up the wrong driveway, gets shot. Two cheerleaders get into the wrong car, get shot. A six-year-old following a basketball into a yard gets shot. Fear. This voice is real. But there is another voice. And this is what St. Paul is getting at. This is the good news. There is another voice. Not just the fear voice, but the father voice. Listen to what Paul says again in verse 16. Paul says, we cry, Abba, Father. We shout, he's saying, Abba, Father. Now let's just take a minute with this. Abba, this word Abba, there's something unique about that. Think about this for a second. That's not an English word. You know that. The translators who translate the whole Bible, they left this one word untranslated. Why did they do that? The word is Aramaic. It's Jesus' first language. Paul doesn't translate it into Greek, the language he's writing in, and the English translators don't translate it either. Why? Well, this is a word that means child or papa or daddy. But here's the thing. This was Jesus' special word for God. It's the word he used when he addressed God directly. Abba. It conveys a level of warmth and intimacy and security and privilege that's just sort of shocking. And so there's a tradition that's very widespread and very early that, 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 that Jesus would call God Papa, Daddy, Abba. And so when translators come to this word, they don't want to render it. They want to preserve it. It's like, it's so, they cherish it. They just want to say it, Abba. Paul's doing the same here. We cry, Abba, Father. Now we find this word three times in the New Testament. We find it here, Galatians chapter four, verse six. We find it in Mark 14, verse 36, where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane. So think about this for a second. Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, this is his greatest moment of fear, right? He's he's about to go to the cross. He's about to be betrayed, be crucified. This is where fear just climaxes. Mark tells us Jesus is distressed and agitated. Luke tells us his perspiration is coming like drops of blood off of his forehead. In this moment of fear, what does Jesus say? Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Abba, Papa, Daddy. Now, see what he's doing to his fear. Notice what he's doing. He, in this moment, he's claiming sonship 
over against anything that would try to threaten him. He's claiming sonship before the creator of the universe, before the ancient of the days, before the Lord of hosts and the armies of heaven. He's saying, I know who I am, Abba. I am not in the hands of my enemies. I'm in the hands of a mighty and loving father. Warmth, intimacy, security, privilege. For you, he says, all things are possible. Wow. Now that's real. The fear is real, even for Jesus. But the father is realer. This is the father voice. Imagine what that moment felt like to Jesus. I think it would feel like the time that Elisha, the great Old Testament prophet, sent his servant out for Starbucks. You remember the story? Elisha and Gehazi, his servant, they're in, a, they're in the tent, morning comes, and Elisha sends out uh, Gehazi, and he, Gehazi opens the flap, and he looks out there, and he goes, oh, my gosh, oh, no, oh, no. It, we are surrounded by the Syrians. The enemy, uh, the armies of Syria were all around them. And Elisha just kind of yawns and he says, do not be afraid. You remember this? Second Kings 6, do not be afraid. By the way, that's the thing that the Bible keeps saying, that God keeps saying to us, do not be afraid. Do you know that that's the most frequent command in the whole Bible? It's not do not commit adultery, which we shouldn't do, but it's do not be afraid. That, why? Why so often? You know why? Because we are afraid. <laughs> because it's part of the human condition. Because every single one of us feels the fear voice inside. So, so, so here's Elisha saying to Gehazi, do not be afraid. And Gehazi's going, this bald guy has hit his head too many times. What does he mean? We're surrounded by the enemy. But no, uh, Elisha prays for him and the Lord opens his eyes. And what does he see? He sees the Syrian armies and then they are surrounded by the hosts of heaven. Elisha says, do not be afraid for there are more with us than there are with them. There are more with us than there are with them. Horses and chariots of fire. The hosts of heaven, the armies of heaven are surrounding even our enemies with the whole arsenal of the Syrian army. I think this is what Jesus means when he says, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Jesus in that moment is turning down the fear voice and turning up the Father voice. He's saying in the Garden of Gethsemane, no matter who comes for me tonight, we got them surrounded by the hosts of heaven. That's why he's so calm, this courage. When they come for him a few hours later in that garden, what does Jesus say? He says, put your sword away. He's talking to his own followers. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? He's saying, hey, don't worry. You know who's got authority in this dark garden? He's claiming the warmth and intimacy and security and privilege of God's only begotten son. He's claiming the power of heaven in his life and in this moment. You can put me in chains. You can crown me with thorns. You can spit in my face. You can whip my back raw. You can hang me on a post, bury me dead in a tomb. But I know who I am and I know who I will always be because I'm the guy who says Abba to the creator of the time-space continuum. He's my dad. 
And because I say Abba, I know somehow, some way, I'll be back. Right? See, there are two voices out there. There's the fear voice and there's the father voice. Paul understands that. And the spirit of a follower is the spirit of God's son. And if you ask me why, I'll tell you the answer. It's this. It's because the Holy Spirit takes the voice of the son and puts it in us. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And this is what Paul is getting at. The Holy Spirit puts you in a position to say, authentically say, to, to say with credibility, to say because it's true, to say yourself what Jesus says. Notice his word, Jesus' word on our lips. We cry, Paul says, Abba, Father. Now, if, if that doesn't sound unbelievably, outrageously uh, audacious to you, you're not hearing it. Paul doesn't say Jesus cries, Abba, Father. Here he's saying, we cry, Abba, Father. Somehow now we're crying, Abba. Somehow now we're saying in our fears exactly what heretofore only Jesus could say. Abba, for you, all things are possible. So the Holy Spirit claims for us the warmth and intimacy and security and privilege of God's only begotten Son. You go, well, how's that possible? Well, let's look at the diagram we've been looking at. I want you to see this again because I want to just remind you, we are not Unitarians. We are Trinitarians. We have the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person and he's active in your life if you're a follower of Jesus. This is possible because remember what the Holy Spirit's doing is forging a union between you and God's human son, Jesus. He's putting the son in you and he's putting you in the son so that everything that the father says to the son, he says to you, in Christ, and everything that you that that Jesus says to the Father, you say, because the Holy Spirit puts that voice in your life on your lips. Abba, Father, we say. The Holy Spirit takes the voice of the Son and puts it in us, and not just the voice, by the way, because the Word of Christ always calls us to the mission of Christ, and the mission of Christ always comes with the power of Christ. What I'm trying to convince you of today is that your life is a Holy Spirit, is meant to be a Holy Spirit-filled adventure. Do you realize that? You're on an adventure. Whether you've realized it for years or you're just waking up to it, this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do. Put the Word of God in your life, the mission of Christ in your life, with the power to fulfill that mission. You've got an adventure. And I, I, my goal for this uh, series is that I will engage that mission in a new way and that you will too, that you'll walk out of these doors with some real practical uh, tools to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you and empower you for the adventure that is uniquely yours. Because when you say Abba, it doesn't just change your relationship to God, it also changes your relationship to the world around you. You see, here's God's program. He is releasing power into the world through his Holy Spirit in you. It's amazing, right? Ordinary people, sinners, all, right? But yeah, through you. I love what Oxford scholar N.T. Wright says. Uh, he says, he is a working through humans God. I love that. God is a working through humans God. He delights in delegated authority. 
What needs to be done within his world will be done through humans. By the way, that's a great book. Uh, It's called History and Eschatology by N.T. Wright. So this is the story you're in. The story I'm in. This is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do with your life and with mine. To put us on a spirit-filled adventure. Just remember who the Holy Spirit is. He's God's agent in the world. He's the resident agent of life and peace. The word spirit in Hebrew and Greek means spirit or breath or wind. So, so if you think of the, what the scriptures tell us, the story when it begins at creation, the spirit is active on page one, hovering over the formless and void of creation. The spirit is there, creation, breathing life or wind or breath into Adam. Then the spirit is in the whole history of Israel, showing up first, uh, it, we read about um, the two artisans who helped build the temple, Bezalel and Aholiab. They've got, of course, they're artists, they've got natural skills, but the Holy Spirit fills them so that those natural skills can be used for God's purposes. Likewise, Moses. And then Moses uh, asked the Lord to give him helpers, and there are 70 elders who take that same spirit from Moses onto them. And then Gideon, Samson, Saul, all of which the text tells us Uh, The Spirit takes possession of them. So the Spirit's at creation. Spirit's active in Israel. And then the Spirit is active in new creation. The Holy Spirit hovers over the waters of baptism as Jesus comes up out of the the waters, uh, the hands of John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit comes and hovers and, and rests on him as a dove, resting on the new Adam now, the first of the new creation. And we hear a voice from heaven. Who is this? You are my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Ah, it's Abba, Jesus knows. And Jesus begins his earthly ministry, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us. And then the Spirit is active through the church, agents of the new creation. Holy Spirit comes and overshadows Mary, and and, and she becomes the mother of Christ, and the risen Savior shows up in the upper room and breathes on the disciples and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. You'll be clothed with power from on high. And this is the story of the expansion of the new church we see in Acts and the epistles. It's not the Acts of the Apostles, it's the Acts of the Holy Spirit, driving this narrative with spiritual gifts and miraculous signs, words of prophecy, supernatural guidance. Do you not believe that the Spirit is active today? I tell you, he is. In my life, he wants to be active in your life. He's active around the world. The story continues, and you're in the story, and this is meant to be the adventure of your life. Now, I don't know what brought you to Seattle, but I do know this. You're here on assignment. You have been given an assignment. So here's our mission statement at UPC. I just want to remind you, we're a family of communities joining Jesus to transform our lives and the lives of our neighbors at the University of Washington, in our neighborhoods, and all around the world. Now, I don't know if you were born here or if you moved here for work or what, but I believe God put you here and he put you here with a purpose, that you are on assignment. See, I believe that God is assembling a group of women and men here at this time and place upon whom he wants to pour out his Holy Spirit giving us supernatural gifts, the kind of delegated authority that N.T. Wright talks about earlier, 
to confront, authority to confront principalities and powers. And he's doing it to show this city, to show Seattle what it looks like to be alive in the power of God and full of God's love. Abba, Father. This is what the Spirit wants to say in and through this community to our city. Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. It's the Father voice. So the Holy Spirit takes the voice of the Son and puts it in us, the voice and the power. So I'm, I'm suggesting here, as Paul is, I think that you will find the purpose and power of your life by listening to the Holy Spirit. You'll find the purpose and power of your own life by listening to the Holy Spirit. So as I say, I want to be really practical here. I I, want to give you some tools that you can take and use today and tomorrow and the weeks and months to come. And the first thing to recognize here is, is you're invited to listen for the Holy Spirit. Notice what Paul does here. Look at verse 16 again. Paul is suggesting that there is a conversation in your soul. Let me read this again. It is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. See what he says there? There are two spirits. You know that there's a noise in your head, that there's voices and dialogue in your head. Paul's addressing that. He says one of those, if you're a believer, is the Holy Spirit. And another one is your spirit. And they're both talking. There's this conversation that's going on inside of you. So what are they saying? Well, we know what the Holy Spirit is saying, Abba. What's your spirit saying? Well, if it's like mine, it's oftentimes saying, yikes, right? Fear. But here's the goal. It's to get both of those two spirits to say the same thing. This is what Paul's saying. You want both of those spirits, the spirit, the Holy Spirit saying Abba, and your spirit to say the same thing, Abba, Father. Now, how do you do that? In order to do that, you've got to change the volume. You've got to turn down the fear voice, and you've got to turn up the Father voice. You know how to do this. If, you know, say you go to the coffee shop. I spend a lot of time in coffee shops. And if you're in a coffee shop, sometimes you're talking to somebody and you can't hear them. Why? Because the, the ambient noise is too loud. The espresso machine, the music, the fraternity group that's at the next table, way too loud. So you see their lips moving, but you can't hear what they're saying. So you, you say, can you speak louder? You have to turn up the volume on your partner. Or maybe you're the one who's too loud. Like when I have the earbuds in and I'm saying to my wife, ah, ah, ah. she's like, George, I'm right here. I can hear you. We can all hear you. Right? Oh, okay, then I need to turn down the volume on, on that voice, right? What we're talking about here is a volume adjustment. You, you can't turn these voices off. If you're a believer, they're both there. But what you can do is adjust the volume by giving your attention more to one than to the other. So on Easter Sunday, I shared a prayer with you, and I want to share it again. And if you didn't catch it, you can take a picture of the screen. It's a lovely prayer. We say this every month when our elders gather. God of silence and God of all sound, help me to listen. Help me to do the deep listening to the sounds of my soul, waiting to hear your soft voice calling me deeper into you. Give me attentive ears that begin to separate the noise from the sounds that are you. You who have been speaking to me and through me my whole life for so long that you can seem like background noise. Today, help me to hear you anew. So how do you do that? How do you turn up the volume on the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? Okay, let me suggest three buttons for you today. Three buttons that'll 
Turn up the volume on the Holy Spirit in your life. Just real quick. And number one, listen like Paul the rabbi. This is the rabbi button. Okay, and it means to listen in the scriptures. Listen in the Bible. Through the Bible. Paul in his 16 chapter letter uh, cites the Bible 80 times. He thoroughly is saturated in the biblical story. He knows the biblical story. In fact, even here, he's saying when he talks about the Holy Spirit, that there's a new exodus underway, that the Holy Spirit is releasing us from slavery into freedom. So he's saying, I know what story we're in. That helps me know who the Holy Spirit is. What we need to understand is that the word and the spirit always speak with one voice. They always always speak together univocally. This is how you get to know the, the voice of the spirit by getting to know the word of God. As you understand what story you're in and what God is saying through the scriptures, you then begin to understand, what, recognize and be able to identify the voice of the Spirit speaking inside of you. So St. John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit or every voice that you have or think, but test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Go back to the scripture, he's saying. This is why it's so important that we are immersed in the Bible. Not just reading books about the Bible or podcasts about the Bible, but actually every day immersing yourself in some way in the scriptures so that you'll be able to recognize his voice. Jesus himself, when he walked with his disciples on the road to Emmaus, they said, we're not our hearts burning within us when he uh, opened the scriptures to us. So that's how the Holy Spirit speaks. Uh, That's the rabbi button, okay? Listen to the scriptures. The second button Uh, for you to turn up the volume of the Holy Spirit is to listen like Gehazi, uh, the servant I was talking about earlier. Listen here uh, to a faithful friend. Okay, this is the servant button. Do you have in your life a trusted friend? Somebody like Gehazi had. He had the prophet Elisha, someone who walked with God, somebody who's steeped in the scriptures themselves. And so Gehazi heard God's word through Elisha. And you need someone like that in your life. I don't know, maybe it's your small group leader. Samuel needed Eli to teach him as a young boy how to hear the sound of God's word calling for him in the night. At first, I find that God's word sounds a lot like my wife oftentimes. And maybe it's somebody in your small group, maybe it's a grandmother or a grandfather, and they help you hear God's word and over time help you hear God's word for yourself through the Holy Spirit. Then third button is this. Listen like Jesus, uh, the mystic listens. Okay, the mystic button, which means listen in the silence. Do you have silence in your life? This is a practice I'm trying to cultivate. We see Jesus here in the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes to the garden to get silence, quiet. He withdraws to a lonely place, the text tells us, again and again and again, to be silent. Not to talk at God, but to be with his heavenly Father, just to luxuriate in the love, to be present, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to him. And you notice in Gethsemane, God does answer Jesus' prayer, but he does so in the silence. Father, let this cup pass from me. Do you know what what the answer to that prayer is? It's no. It's kind of interesting to know that the Father says no to Jesus sometimes. And every faithful person will hear God saying no when we pray sometimes. But notice how the answer is. It's not an audible no. It's 
in the silence, Jesus gets this answer. In the spa- he prays three times, and it's in the spaces between that he hears the no, and it's in the spaces between that he hears the voice, Abba, Father, welling up within him, giving the, him the courage to embrace that no, and the strength comes from silence. So scripture, a faithful friend, silence. Three buttons, rabbi, servant, and mystic. Three volume buttons to turn up the volume on the Holy Spirit in your life. You will find the purpose and power of your life by listening to the Holy Spirit. All right, let me close. One more thing I want to say and I'll tell you a story. The Spirit of God's Son is the Spirit of a follower. I I really think that's what Paul's getting at. The Spirit of God's Son is the Holy Spirit of a follower. So here's the story. Many years ago, many centuries ago, my wife was on a bus in, uh, in Ohio. This is before I met her. Uh, she was at Ohio State, which is this massive university, you know, Ohio State. It was her ministry assignment. Right out of college, she had signed up to do student ministry. And she was very intimidated. You know, just, she, she was 22 years old, she's five foot two, she's a total rookie, and she could easily have been sitting on this bus, driving around campus, asking herself, who am I? Who do I think I am? What difference can I make in this great university? But as it turns out, that's not what she was thinking because she had been learning about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. She had been learning that when we let the Holy Spirit take up residence in our lives, not just reside in us, but as, if I can borrow, be president in us, fill our lives, he will fill our lives with the strength of Jesus. And she had this thought, she remembers it clearly. She said, she's, God is living in me. God has put his glory in me. God is doing his work through me. She's looking around the bus and she's going, I'm an ambassador for Christ, for the King of Kings. Essentially what she's saying is, Abba, my spirit and the Holy Spirit agree. Abba, Father. She remembers it to this day. It changed her relationship to her fears. It changed the way she saw herself. It changed the way she saw other people. People on that bus, people on that campus, she's going, God's glory is on this bus. God's glory is here through me. God's glory is now on this campus. God's glory is here through me. See, she felt the the love of the Father for her. She felt the love of the Father for others on the bus and on the campus. And she, she somehow felt that she would not be satisfied until all of those people, every single one of them, could feel that love too and say with her, Abba, Father. Well, that's our mission too. And I'm praying today that you'll take the risk to come to one of our open houses. I hope you will. Some people are opening up their homes now. There's a place for an introvert. I'm one. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just go in and eat the food and leave. If you want to, I mean, that, <laughs> I do that all the time. Uh, yeah, no, there's a place for you. And, and so go online or go to the table out in the back, find out where there's an open house somewhere near you, walk, drive, but participate. I'm praying you will. But before you go, I want to give you one other thing to do. Before you go today, take one moment to pray. Sit down somewhere if you can, quiet every voice inside of you, accept the Holy Spirit and listen for Abba welling up inside. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak that word in your life. And as you hear that, then ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, to give you the courage and love that you'll need to love neighbors. All right?
I'll see you this afternoon. Let's pray. Oh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Abba, we say. And yet we know, we're so aware of our inadequacies. We pray, we pray, please do not let us surrender to our fears. Help us instead to surrender to your Holy Spirit. Trusting that our competency does not come from ourselves, but miraculously it comes from you. You promise this. Forgive us for the excuses we make so often for not doing what you're calling us to do and what you yourself promised to equip us to do. Help us to see that today is a day of decision for each of us. We may not have much to offer, but we offer all that we have and all that we are to your purposes in the world. Fill us, we pray, with the fullness of God through your Holy Spirit so that your word may go forth and your purpose is fulfilled to the ends of the earth. We are on assignment. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.